0: Hidden in every storybook, upside down and backwards round, tucked within the afterward lie the secrets dark and true that fill the pages of the Book of Scary. Have you been sitting there? No, no, don't be sorry. I've slept far too long, anyway. <sighs> Would you have me in my specs, dear? They're on the. That's it. <sighs> Thank you. <sighs> it's so nice to have a visitor in this creaky old house. It reminds me of the first time I went visiting the infirm, as it were. <laughs> It was the summer of, let's see, I was in the fifth grade, so it must have been about 1952. I hadn't intended to do anything special that summer, you know. My plans involved wading through creeks and playing ball in the street, as always. I would thoroughly muddy up my clothes, of course. No one could scold you for it then, not in the summer. The summer of 52, however, didn't... uh, quite work out the way I'd imagined. Hmm. Oh, but before I talk about that, I have to tell you about my friends. Walter Mills, Freddie Scarponi, Bud Whitman. Are they still around, I wonder? I haven't seen them in years. We hardly ever went anywhere without each other back then. We had a little club, you see. We were the WBFJs, which stood for Walter, Buddy, Freddy, and myself, Jessie. Not very creative of us, but we wanted something that sounded exclusive and mysterious. Someone would ask, can I come ride with you? And one of us would say, are you a WBFJ? (laughs) And obviously the answer was no, but we felt very important anyway. I was even declared the president of the WBFJs because my father, a bit of an amateur genealogist, had traced our ancestry all the way back to Charles I of England. Well, important people went on important missions, but that year our mission found us. We were just riding our bicycles right out there, right down to Street. And that's when we saw her. I lived across the street, so I'd looked at and wandered about that crumbling old house of hers my whole life, with its gaping black windows and the dead climbing roses all over every side of it, haunted-looking place. I used to watch for signs of vampires before I got bored with the whole idea of monsters. But I'd never seen her before. Oh, I'd seen him. Her caretaker, I supposed he was. I didn't like him, either. Looked old and not old all at once, like he'd been cut out of wood and polished too smooth. But this was the first time I'd seen his employer out in the light. He brought her out in an old wheel wheelchair, rolled her out, and left her there on the rotten screen porch, We all stopped right in our tracks when we saw her. Walter said, "Jessie, Jessie, who's that you reckon? I said, I reckon it's the lady who owns the place. Bud asked if I'd ever seen her before, but you know I hadn't. Well, why'd he put her there like that, he said. Looks like she's sleeping, or dead. Freddy told us his sister used to sit out in the sun like that, but one time she'd fallen asleep that way and turned into a lobster. Somehow I didn't think the old lady on the screen porch was there to get some color. I didn't even think she knew she was there. Walter said she don't look right, and we talked for a time about what we thought was wrong with her. Fact was, we were so absorbed in our theories about that strange, decrepit creature behind the screen that we didn't see the car coming at us. We'd been standing in the middle of the street just about that entire time. I suppose we forgot the rest of the world was there. All of a sudden, the driver swerved and hit a garbage can, and he took my bicycle with it, crushed it whole to pieces. Then he got out and hollered at us, What are you kids doing in the middle of the road like that? I could have killed you. Well, after all that commotion, the old woman's caretaker came back out on the porch and shouted at the driver and at us you all go on now get you wake up miss rose you'll be sorry the driver said some things i really shouldn't repeat and then left us in his dust we just stood there it was like we forgot how to move the caretaker said to us you heard me go on home now well i picked up my crumpled bicycle and we just started to walk the rest of the way to my house when freddie opened up his stupid mouth and asked that man What was wrong with the old lady?" We told Freddy to shut up and apologize for the rudeness of our friend, but the caretaker just grinned at us with his big, wide, awful smile. His lips were so red, you know, like they were painted on. Well, I suppose they could have been. He said, "'Oh, you mean Miss Rose? Why, she's sleeping?' Been asleep ever since she was a girl. Might not ever wake up, they say, but you know what? We asked Walt. Once in a while, and he said this in a very mysterious way, waving his hands all around like a magician or some such, once in a great while she does wake up, and if you're unlucky enough to be there when she does, she'll grab a hold of your ears and pull you close to that old mouth of hers, and she'll tell you a mean truth. What kind of truth, Walter asked the man, and the man said. A truth you ain't ready to hear, boy. A truth so terrible. I seen people try and cut their own throats to forget it. We must have looked quite aside then, for he just laughed and laughed at us. I'd never run so fast as I did then. We didn't even meet up at my house after as we usually did. The WBFJs scattered like little blowflies. Go fetch that cup there and fill it with water if you would, honey. My mouth gets so dry sometimes. Thank you. Where was I? The next day we blowflies gathered again. To tell you the truth, I was grounded for letting my bike get so ruined, but my father was at work and my mother was at the salon and I couldn't stand the boredom any longer. So I bent the rules a little bit, and we kept our activities to my front yard. That way, I could run back inside if anyone saw Mother's car coming. The idea had been to play a little catch, but we couldn't stay focused on the game. We just kept staring at that house with the old dead vines creeping over it. Bud said it was all bullcrap what the man had told us. "'If any of that was true, how do you suppose he's still working there?' Bud said. He said, "'Wouldn't he have gone crazy by now?' Bud had a point. We all agreed and began to feel better when Freddy brought up the fact that someone must pay the man, and if this Miss Rose was truly unconscious, then how did he get his salary? I'd heard my father talk about estates and trusts before, so I was sure it must have been one of those, and I told Freddie so.' Well, if you really want to know, I called him a dunce. And he got mad at me, and he pushed me, and I pushed him back, and Walter told us to knock it off, and Bud got fed up with all of it and threw the ball across the street. I don't think he meant to break the window of old Miss Rose's house, but that's what happened just the same. We froze where we stood. I couldn't breathe. And when that old woman's caretaker came charging out of the house, his painted wood face all radish red, I was sure we'd die. You kids, he said, which of you did this? Which one? Not one of us uttered a word. I don't think Bud so much as looked up from his shoes. I can't say that I blame him. That caretaker was so peculiar looking, an old man who wasn't. But even in his anger, he seemed to be laughing at us. A mocking fire lit up his eyes. I would have sworn to you then and there that his eyes were red. But I'm sure they weren't. He pointed at me then with a long, skinny finger, and he said, it was you. I said, no, sir. But he said, I seen you watching this house night after night with your daddy's binoculars. What are you looking for? Maybe a target, huh? I kept shaking my head, no, 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 but there was no change in this fellow's mind, and Bud never spoke up once. The man said, I know it was you, and now we're going to wait for your mama to get back and I'm going to tell her all about this. After the tongue-lashing and the grounding I got from my bicycle, I couldn't risk another rebuke. It would be the end of my summer if my mother heard of it, of all my summers once my father heard. I looked at Walter, at Freddy, if that guilty as sin, Bud, but they all turned, took to their bikes, and rode away. I was betrayed. Unless, said the caretaker, and you know my ears pricked up like a rabbit's, unless we consider this a debt, and you can come work at the house for a while to make it up. I agreed to the price, perhaps too eagerly, but the arrangement was fair. For the rest of the summer I would come to the house for one hour a day and perform whatever chores were required of me. Most days it was cleaning. I polished silver. I patched holes in the walls. I offered to clip those nasty dead thorn vines, but Mr. Broche, that was the caretaker's name, told me it wouldn't do any good, which I thought was odd. And most times I went I saw Miss Rose, and she was always asleep. Sometimes in her bed, sometimes in a chair. I'd never seen anyone so old before. She looked at least a thousand. But of course, that was impossible. Mr. Broche would have me read to her once in a while, out there on the screen porch. He told me she liked to hear young voices, though how he knew what Miss Rose thought about anything I couldn't say. I told you that your visit reminded me of when I first went visiting myself, but now that I think of it... It reminds me more of the last time I visited Miss Rose. Mr. Broche had asked if I'd come by again in the evening. Have supper here at the house, he said. Summer's almost over, and we've really appreciated your visits. I don't know why I agreed. But I told my mother I was having dinner at Walter's, and then I slipped across the street to the house with the screen porch. Mr. Broche brought me to his employer's bedside, and he spoke to her just as if she were awake. Now, Miss Rose, he said, young Jessie's here, come to say goodbye for the last time. Then he told me to lean in close to that Miss Rose and kiss her on the cheek. I didn't want to. She smelled like death. I once found a dead rat killed by my dog, Flossie, and Miss Rose smelled just like that. "'Go on,' said Mr. Brose. "'She'd like it.'" Well, I didn't want to be rude, so I leaned in and put my lips to that leathery cheekbone of hers, and then, there, that withered husk of a woman gasped. Her blue-white flesh almost looked warm again, but her eyes opened, and they were dark and cold. Before I could think to react, she grabbed me by the collar. She grabbed me by the collar, and she held my head close. I tried, but couldn't move away. Do you understand me? She told me then, in a voice that sounded like tree limbs scraping on a tin roof, that she'd been waiting one hundred years for that moment. She said to me, This is not my body. My soul was taken by that vile bitch who inhabited this body before. She took my body and ran away to live and die a full life in it while I was left a prisoner in this curses. One hundred years this body slept, but I never did. One hundred years I waited for someone with just one drop of a prince's blood to come and kiss my cheek. It's the only way I could break the curse, and the only way to keep it broken for me is to pass it on to you. She said, I'm sorry for you. It could be helped a hundred years will make you hate the world and all who live waking lives in it. It's not their fault, but you'll want them to suffer all the same. And now it's your turn, my prince. Now it's your turn. I tell you that wretched corpse gripped me like a vice, howling like a devil all the time, and I felt myself leave my own body. It felt like getting the wind knocked out of me. Only I was the wind. And then suddenly everything was dark. So dark. I had the sense of walls closing in around me. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I felt the desire to scream, but I had no way to do it. And then, my eyes opened, as if by someone else's power. I saw myself standing over me. And Mr. Broche, too. It's a pity, said my voice from my own body, but with someone else's gaze. I had hoped for a pretty girl to come, someone more like I used to be. But it is better to be an eleven-year-old schoolboy, I suppose, than a sleeping crone on a bed. Thank you for that, young Jesse. Oh, yes. I was once a boy with dreams of becoming a man like my father. I would take over the family accounting business. I would marry a pretty girl and have a pair of fine young sons to carry our name. But it would never be. It would never be. The woman in my old body told me Mr. Broche would look after me, or at least this body, just as he always had. It was what he was made to do. She said the curse started a long time ago, longer ago than stories tell, but there is one story of a princess doomed to die by an angry witch until a meddling spirit lightened the sentence. The kiss of a prince, she said, would wake the princess's body from a years-long slumber. (laughs) But it would also take the soul of the prince who kissed her and take him into her sleeping corpse freeing her soul to live a new life in his skin better than dying she said i suppose i'm lucky that there are so many more people in the world today than there were then i only had to sleep for 65 years these days most everyone shares blood with someone who wants war crown you for instance But sixty-five years is still a very long time to lie awake in a sleeping body. It's a long time to cultivate a deep and abiding hatred. She was right, you know. She told me right here in this room that I could end this curse when my time came. No. No, I think I want to pass this suffering on. I want to share it with someone as sweet and naive as you. I don't know how dear Mr. Brosh brought you to me, dear, but I'm not sorry to say that you won't be leaving. Not likely for a very long time, and that's my mean truth for you.